everyone. Welcome to the Changing Directions Filmmaker podcast series presented by 206.com. I am your host, Mark Morin, and my special guest for this episode is producer and cinematographer Lou Nakasako. Lou, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, the documentary is called Try Harder. It's a movie that focuses on a group of high school students as they struggle with trying to get into some of the most prestigious colleges in the country. And I'll let you expand on that in just a moment. Now, the film recently had its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival. So first, let me say congratulations on the premiere. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's every uh, independent filmmaker's uh, dream to get into Sundance and have its premiere there. So we're incredibly uh, thankful. No, that's great. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, we're talking Sundance here. So that's really, really is a big deal from my perspective. So what does it mean for you to get accepted by Sundance for your world premiere? And I mean that in terms of not just from a filmmaking perspective, but also from you being an Asian-American and Debbie, the director, Debbie Lum, being an Asian-American woman. What does that mean to you to get into a festival like Sundance for the world premiere? I mean, it, it means a lot. And to be totally honest with you, we actually we weren't even thinking about Sundance. Like we, we, we submitted for it, but it was really net, like it wasn't something that we were on pins and needles about because we really um, didn't expect it. So when we did end up getting in, I mean, it was just such a shock. And honestly, we felt a little bit like our students in the film. <laughs> um, we totally understood like everything that they were kind of going through because the chances of getting into Sundance are so slim. Like even if you have a great film, it, it's so slim to get in. And, um, you know, as an Asian American film that's produced by Asian Americans, I mean, that was, you know, hopefully this is just the start, you know, hopefully um, in future years we can have one or two each year. I mean, that would be great because I think Debbie was on a panel and it was about the invisibility of Asian American documentaries within the mainstream, right? And I guess within the past 10 years, there was only four Asian American films that had gotten into Sundance. So to represent the Asian American community at Sundance this year was, uh, I, I hate to use the word dream, but it really was <laughs> a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I, I totally get that. I can understand where you're coming from. So you can absolutely use the word dream. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah job well done there. Now I did give kind of a brief synopsis of the movie. Maybe expand on that a little bit. Tell me and tell the listeners what this movie is exactly about. So um, essentially, we followed five seniors at uh, Lowell High School, which is a magnet school in San Francisco. It's pretty prestigious. You have to uh, test to get in. It's known as a very prestigious college prep school, right? So naturally, a lot of the students that attend here have dreams of going to Stanford, Harvard, Ivy League, UC Berkeley, UCLA, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what we ended up doing is we picked five students that are four that were seniors and one that was a junior. And we basically followed them in their senior year as they went through the college application process and witnessed the type of stress that they were under. And ultimately, by the end, we discover, you know, where they get in or, you know, whether they get into their dream school or not. So it's a high school movie and we followed them for a year to see where they would end up going. Oh, that's great. Now, what attracted you to this story as a filmmaker? Like, why did you want to, to be part of this? So 
I'm relatively still young, I like to think. <laughs> and、uh, <laughs> I graduated in high school, I think, in like 2007, right?、Mm-hmm. And when we started this project in about 2016, I had just noticed that the college landscape had totally changed. It's just, it had become such a part of the culture, and it was so much harder to get into schools. So I was just pretty much interested in this idea of 21st century. Pressure that our youth are under right now. It's like, as I feel like in America, it's like we're pushing college, 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 and it's kind of become a national obsession. And, you know, as an Asian American, you grow up going to prestigious schools has always been part of the everyday conversation. So, what better way to kind of dive into 21st century pressure than to examine it <laughs> from an Asian American lens? You know what right, I mean? Right, absolutely.、So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,、uh, and then also, I don't know if you saw Debbie's first film. It was、uh, Seeking Asian Female. I have not、yeah. seen that. That's actually now、yeah. on my list after I've seen this documentary. Yeah, yeah. So, Seeking Asian Female was a, it was a great film. I mean, I was a young filmmaker and I just was interested in collaborating with people's work who I really admire. And Debbie was、uh, gracious enough to hire me for this project. I think one was because I'm actually from San Francisco Bay Area. So, in terms of getting access to these t y p e of communities, I kind of had a few natural ends, if that、right. makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so that's pretty much what、uh, attracted me to the project. Oh, that's great. Now, you had mentioned the, the pressure that these kids are under, and it's magnified now compared to when you were in high school, and probably even more so from way back in the day when I was in high school. But one、yeah. of the things that you, and you had mentioned you're a cinematographer, so a part of this question is about how we see these students. But one of the things you do a great job of showing is that intense amount of stress and pressure. That these kids are under, and you see the impact that it has on their emotional well being and even their mental health. So, what was your thought process on how you were going to present that on screen? So, to be honest with you, because these kids had such packed schedules, you know,、mm-hmm. they were doing something every minute of the day that you pretty much had to cater to when they were available. So, for instance, Like, I don't know if you n- noticed, but there's not a ton of lighting in the film. Most of it is pretty much shot with natural light. You know, for the interviews, we were always shooting near windows where there would be a lot of natural daylight. So I would say the main idea behind the shooting was just to let things happen naturally. So let the, like, don't do anything super manipulative. And in the beginning, we actually did experiment with more stylistic interviews. So we were actually considering having them look into the camera or kind of、uh, having these sort of satirical frames where they would be small in the frame and whatnot. And we learned pretty quickly that we weren't going to be able to do, to, <laughs> to use any of those techniques because it's like, The kids maybe had 30 minutes to do the、uh, interview. You're, you're a slave to what classrooms are open. I mean, Lowell, pretty much there's a class going on at all periods. So, yeah, we were pretty much a slave to the students and their schedules, and, you know, just making the aesthetic work around that. Oh, absolutely. Now, one of the things that I really liked about the documentary that helped me to connect to the stories was you see a lot of relationships like the, the single mom with the daughter, the families where the mom and dad are more traditional Chinese thought processes compared to the、yeah. son, and just these different dynamics. Were those things that you were looking for, or did they just kind of develop after figuring out which kids you were going to focus on? 
Yeah, that's a good question. So I don't know if you know a ton about the inception of this project, but before we settled on Lowell High School, Debbie was actually interested in doing a documentary about tiger parenting. And basically how we landed at Lowell was, Lowell High School was gonna be one segment of that documentary. But then once we got the access and the kids were open to sharing their stories, Debbie was like, we, we can't miss this opportunity, right? So naturally, we were always looking for a couple characters who had parents who were pushing their kids in certain directions. And we were definitely interested in that push and pull because a lot of, you know, when I think about parenting, it's probably one of the hardest jobs in the world, you know? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like, how hard do you push your kid? You know, when is it good to give them space? And actually with Rachel and Donna, who is the, Rachel's the biracial girl and her mother's the African-American single mom. Right. Now, I, I actually really related to the character a lot because it kind of mirrored my experience a little bit. Like I wasn't necessarily like a super studious person or whatnot, but you know, I was super into sports and my parents would push me to try and be better and whatnot but um they also knew when to be encouraging and when to give me space so in terms of the parent-child relationship we were always looking for those type of dynamics nice yeah it turned out really well so i'm glad you you guys took the, that approach now yeah, what's something you learned from making this documentary that you could now say is a skill that you can take with you into future projects oh man that's a good question um <laughs> I would say the biggest thing I learned is like have like when uh, when a subject gives you access, you have to um, make sure that you're totally empathetic with them. You know, mm -hmm. uh, obviously when you're following teenagers for a long time, you know, teenagers can be a little angsty. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. a little bit <laughs> irrational. You know, so as an adult, sometimes you can somewhat get annoyed or whatnot but you know just to remember to have total empathy for their situation in terms of them giving you the access because that's probably the most important part in terms of sustaining a project for this long i mean we were with them for about 10 months i mean that's right. a long time yes i would imagine there has to be a, a level of trust that's built pretty quickly you know like you for were sure. saying this the hectic pace that they're on and then all of a sudden they've got you guys wanting to talk to them and film them there has to be some kind of a connection there so no that, that's sure. that's definitely something that, that uh, i would say is a good skill to have and then the other thing is is that like um you know because this is an asian american environment right mm -hmm. there was naturally some hesitancy to share their story. I mean, right. just growing up as an Asian American, we're a little bit more private as a culture, right? So sure. the other important thing is that I learned is that you have to explain to them why sharing their story is important because that's not their first instinct to think that their story is important. So you have to really believe it and you have to be able to sell them on that fact a little bit, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, um, yeah that, that's another thing I learned. Right, no, that's a really good point. Thank you. Now, who is a filmmaker that inspires you in your work? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I can go all the regular names, like, <laughs> Mar like Martin Scorsese or yeah. Akita Kurosawa. I mean, I love Edward Yang. Uh, in terms of documentaries, I love that Ezra Edelman 
and then Sarah Pauly. I thought I loved the OJ Made in America, and I loved uh, stories we tell. Terry's Wyckoff. I love uh, his his documentaries and uh, even some of his fiction films. I guess for like more mainstream, like I love Todd Phillips. I thought what he did with Joker was great. I mean, he's he's went from Hangover, old school to Joker. <laughs> I mean, it's like the the dude is the I I, I love his movies. So yeah, those are just the first ones that kind of come to my head. No, that's great. Yeah, I think Todd Phillips is a good example if you're looking for variety and and diversity in the type of films that he makes. Because yeah, your two examples of Hangover and Joker probably about as different <laughs> movies as we could possibly. Get. I know, I <laughs> yeah, know, so, I know. Uh, I don't know if I've ever really thought about that and put that together. But yeah, then you just helped me gain a new respect for Todd. <laughs> <Miller>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then he did Frat, right? The documentary yep. Frat, right? It's just you, if you look at uh, his films, though, he always kind of has like some fraternity humor. Even in the Joker, there's like some fraternity uh, humor in there. I feel like a, at a frat house, you probably you know when the the short guys trying to uh, get out of the door uh, yeah. after Joaquin Phoenix had just killed bashed the oh, guy's yeah. head in. Yeah. I feel like that's a frat joke that somebody <laughs> would tell. <laughs> yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, who inspires you? That's not a filmmaker. Oh, that's not a filmmaker. I'd say, you know, this is a very Asian answer, but I guess I'd say like my parents, you know, I mean, but it's not like my parents, my parents aren't like the traditional Asian American parents where they were like tiger parenting or whatnot. But like my mom has actually lived a pretty uh, exciting and fulfilling life. You know, she was part of the third world liberation front strike. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it was a strike that it was a strike that took place at San Francisco State in the late 60s because they wanted curriculum for uh, African American, Asian American and Latino students. Right. So they basically protested for about, you know, I think it was like six, seven months. And what I know, she ended up actually going to jail for the whole thing. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's lived a pretty eclectic life. So she became an educator and eventually became like the associate dean at San Francisco State in the ethnic studies department. Oh, wow. Right? So yeah, and and to throw another curveball, she actually uh, starred in a couple of Wayne Wang's early films. Really? Yeah. His yeah. His early, so Wayne Wang did his second feature was this film called uh, Dim Sum, and my mom and her grandma are actually the stars of that film. It was one of these things where he kind of just casted people from the Chinatown community, right? Because he kind of wanted that authentic nature to the film. So yeah, my mom for sure. And my dad, Spencer, he's actually uh, a filmmaker too. So like we have a very fun relationship because on one hand he's like my dad, but on the other hand, we're like <laughs> brother, we're, we're, we have a very brotherly vibe. <laughs> yeah, uh, have yeah, you worked on a film together? Um, well, he was a story consultant on this film. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, yeah, so there it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, and this whole thing is like, I'm just like revealing my entire life story here, right? <laughs> the reason why I linked up with Debbie is because mm -hmm. Debbie actually edited one of my dad's first films when she was around my age. Okay. Yeah, so I've known Debbie since I was like five years old. So oh, um, anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Now, in terms of representation, where do you see opportunity in Hollywood? Like what's available now for Asian Americans, for people of color that may not have been available like even a year ago or 10 years ago? Well, I think it goes without saying that all the streaming services have changed the game. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like my, my dad has pretty much kind of told me how difficult it was to get an Asian American film even seen back in the 90s, right? And it slowly has improved, but I think it's actually picked up some real momentum over the past few years. I think there was The Farewell uh, last year or two years ago, then there's Minari, there's Crazy Rich Asians. And so I think it it, it is picking up steam. I think it's gonna take a commitment from Asian American filmmakers to do it though. Sometimes, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you know, sometimes Asian American filmmakers, like once they make an Asian American film, they, they want to direct bigger movies, right? And mm. a lot of times bigger movies don't have an Asian American as the lead. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it's uh, for Asian American film to continue to grow. I think uh, it's going to take a real commitment from the filmmakers to sustain that in a way. Right. No, that makes total sense. Thank you. Well, Lou, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. You know, good luck with the film yeah. and all the best to you in the future. All right. Thanks so much, Mark. This is the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com. Please subscribe, leave a review and share on social media. Any way you can support the podcast is very much appreciated. You can find podcast episodes and all of my movie reviews, including my review for Try Harder on 206.com. Thank you for listening to the Changing Directions podcast series presented by 206.com.